Hello and welcome to the Construction Youth Network. My name is Craig Shaw and I will be your host. So today I will be talking to Michelle Glazer, a building development manager for Mitchells and Butlers. Michelle is currently on maternity leave, having given birth to her daughter in June 2020. Michelle is also currently undertaking her professional review for the Chartered Institute of Building. Okay, so thank you for joining us, Michelle. Um, Good morning. <laughs> do you want to start just by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yes, yeah, so my name is Michelle Glazer. I'm 31. Um, I am a building development manager for Mitchells and Butlers. Um, and I've been in the industry for eight years, nearly nine years, uh, live in Sheffield. And I have a little girl who was born in June of this year, right in the middle of lockdown. And um, what, what, what was you doing prior to construction then? Um, I've had a couple of jobs, um, including being a lifeguard and <laughs> doing accounting for wages and stuff for a concrete company. And then your bog standard retail work as a teenager, like most people do. So what made you get into construction then? Um, I'm not entirely sure what it was, uh, but I remember being interested in my dad's concrete business. Um, I was one of those kids at school that sort of floated around. I didn't really know what career direction I was going to end up in but I knew I was sort of interested in buildings and architecture. So when I got to like A-level, I was looking at um, sort of prospectuses for different universities and seeing who had the best architecture courses. Um, I can't tell you why it caught my eye, but it just did. <laughs> so, um, so it's something that's always sort of resonated from like a young age then, yeah? Yeah, yeah I suppose. I, I would say teenage years, because like I say, when I was a kid, I think probably wanted to be something a little bit different <laughs> to an architect. A, was there a reason you never kind of pursued a, like a career with your dad then with his concrete firm? Um, it isn't the most prestigious concrete firm. It is only a small business which he set up himself. And I wanted to, I guess, set my sights a little bit higher and maybe build up a bit of knowledge in the construction industry so that if I did need to fall back on that uh, and, you know, go and help him out, I'd have a bit of knowledge. So maybe that's what I was doing indirectly. Have you helped him out at all, like today or? No. No? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Well, like I said, it's something I suppose to fall back upon in the future if you need to. Anyway. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, um, what does your dad think about you being in the industry? Do you know what? I haven't asked him, but now you've asked me, I think I'm going to ask him and see what he see what he thinks. Um, I don't even know. He think he knows what I what I do. I'm sure he's never like he's never indirectly. Words he is. He's never indirectly like asked you then to join the firm or anything like that. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, um, so, with you moving over into construction. Um, did you start off by sort of, I know you've, um, you've got a bachelor's of science, 
Um, yeah. Was that prior to construction or did you undertake that uh, when you decided you wanted to move over into the industry? Or Yeah, so if I go through my career to date, which is um, something I know you want to talk about. Yeah. Um, when I was at school and did my A-levels, obviously I picked out my first three choices for university. Um, and when results came through, I didn't quite um, get enough to hit these three architecture schools. It's not a cat in the background, it's my daughter. She's screeching at the TV, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I didn't get my first choice as well, I think, because I aimed a little bit too high towards the like the top architecture schools. So it was a bit of a, a wake-up call and a hitting clearing and seeing what else I could get into. So I did actually start a foundation year degree in design, fine art and media at Sheffield Hallam. And then once I'd done that, I found that I could transfer onto their architecture and environmental design course. So I was like really pleased about that. So I moved straight over after that first year and did three years so how there. Long was that? Sorry. Uh, I finished in 2011. OK. So that was right sort of the back of the recession when there were no jobs as well. So I really struggled to get a job at all. And um, that was when I was lifeguarding at uh, Ponce Forge. Um, before I landed what I call my first proper job, yeah. uh, which was a small design practice in Sheffield. Yeah. Um, and it was a bit of a, a last-ditch attempt ringing around because I'd obviously gone through the process a few times and not uh, not been successful. Um, so I was asking sort of for free work experience and I was lucky enough at this particular practice, uh, the director picked up the phone. It must have been really quiet that day. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he asked me if I'd like to go and have a look around their office. They might have a little bit of work experience for me. Um, so I went uh, to have a cuppa with them. Never got that cuppa, by the way. <laughs> uh, ended up having an interview and getting offered a job, which was amazing. So I was really excited about that. And I was there for, for eight years. And that was um, working on refurbishing pubs and restaurants as a designer uh, slash project manager. So doing all the AutoCAD, uh, drawing packs, um, mood boards now and then and all that kind of creative stuff and then later on um being a bit more project manager site-based uh which i really enjoy obviously how did you find that though coming out of university that sort of transition into sort of that professional capacity because people i have spoken to so far and even myself i'm coming from a part-time like students perspective like I was studying mm -hmm. and working full-time um yeah. so I I kind of like felt like both complemented each other you know so what I was doing yeah, at work yeah, full-time full student which was I suppose it wasn't really what we would call full-time these days because I don't think there were many like um scheduled lectures there's probably about eight hours a week and but it was a lot of self-directed study so I found that quite difficult obviously coming from school where everything is like regimented and you, you sort of get a lot of help you have so I, just, I just struggle at uni I would say because I you know in I think you had to be sort of friends with the tutors as well to get extra help you know we just find ourselves sat in the studio for hours and hours on end just working on AutoCAD and doing our own research and stuff so yeah I found that really hard um, and actually even harder for me I don't know whether this will come up again later but my family emigrated to New Zealand whilst I was in my second year of university 
we actually had a really difficult decision to make, uh, which was fulfill this, you know, really difficult path of trying to get into uni and uh, gain a degree, which is something that I've always wanted to do, regardless of not knowing what the degree was going to be in, uh, or move to New Zealand and leave my degree behind. And actually, I don't know whether I made the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I, had to, I had to stay and finish my degree because once I've started something, I'm one of those people that has to finish it. Yeah. Ten years later, they're still over there. How was that, though, dealing with your family sort of emigrating whilst you were undertaking your studies as well? Because I suppose once you've made that decision to to stay, did that how did that sit with your family almost? Like, did they expect you to go with them or was it always... Um, I'm trying to think. I would have been maybe 19 at the time. So I think there was an expectation of them thinking that I was going to go with them. Um, but at that age, I think they can't really tell you what to do. So they were probably half expecting me to say, you know what, I'm going to stay here. I don't know, actually. One of those I've not really Yeah. Asked. And how was that though? Uh, even after they they moved, they emigrated. How was that for you? Um, with trying to undertake your your studies as well, where I suppose actually just sort of pursue your career because I suppose you look to your family mm. as sort of like a moral support, or like a, a network around you of people that want to see you do well and succeed. And yeah. then having them suddenly kind of go. How did that impact upon you? I mean, was there any, do you think there was any direct impact on your studies or? Uh, it's hard to say. I think the main difference that I can think of now <clears throat> is. Well, do you think it had an impact? I mean, it's... I don't, I don't think that then maybe no, I had a direct impact. The, the only thing I could think of being different was uh, holidays. So when everybody would go home for like Christmas break, I would obviously still be living in my student accommodation. Yep. Um, and I would, I would spend Christmas, of course, with like other family members. But for me, that was the, the biggest impact. I don't think there was anything in terms of academic um, changes or anything that I struggled to do because they weren't there. Obviously, it was difficult because I didn't have them to bounce off of. But I've always been very independent. And we're not really a talking family anyway, so it wasn't something that I would go home and talk to them about a lot when they were there. Yeah, I actually talk to them more now. They're gone on Skype. You know, it's incredibly weird as well. Like I would consider my relationship with my family since I moved out, what, 18, 19 months ago, and my relationships improved drastically with my mum and my sisters. Because really quite, quite yeah. ironic, isn't it? I think you just kind of get to that age as well. Like I said, if you're quite an independent person where you do need, you do need that space, don't you as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, so when you started out um, at the architectural firm, what you saying you was working um, sort of pubs, restaurants, that kind of thing. Mm, um, yeah. Did you find it relatable though to what you had learned? Like, was there transferable skills there? Because um Again, it's cropped up before in other discussions I've had with certain young professionals where they've been worried or disillusioned that what they actually are studying academically doesn't actually uh, match what is undertaken in practice. Mm. Well, I mean, obviously the AutoCAD, I wouldn't have been able to um, 
do the job that I did for so many years without that knowledge. So that was a direct skill. But I think a lot of the other stuff was sort of learning on the job. Um, stuff like my confidence from like sort of day one working there when I couldn't really speak in front of people. I mean, this is this is an out of my depth moment, can I just say? Uh, but speaking in front of people took me a while to sort of master, if you like, um, because as the project manager, we would often chair meetings and I, just, I still get like nervous sweats now when I have to run a meeting. Butterflies in the pit of your stomach. I know, absolutely. But I'm so much better at it. And now I sort of have the knowledge in my own field. I've got that confidence in myself. But um, transferable skills, gosh. I can't think of anything specific at the minute. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, um, so do you have any regrets to date then? What I would say then, like, would you, um, for the listeners, would you say that actually um, studying full time to begin with and then moving into into the industry does as much good as what studying part time would as well as working, would you say? If you had to go back, would you go back maybe yeah. about doing it part-time? Uh, do you know what? That's an interesting question. I think it works both ways. If I was to have my time again in university, I would look at a different kind of part-time job if I could. I think at the time I might have looked and there might not have been anything with it being sort of weekdays, but I think stretching out the financial implications of a university degree were probably more uh, negative for me. I probably just wanted to get the, the course done, get it paid for, and then um, get a job afterwards. Because I think that's what you're kind of told when you're at school, go to university, get a job in that order. But things are different now. I think things are much more fluid. And I think I would have liked to have had a bit more experience before I was looking for a job than I knew really what I was looking for. Yeah. Um, but like I say, I think I fell a little bit lucky that time when I was ringing round. Have you thought of doing anything since now you've had like this work experience? Have you thought about doing a master's or uh, um, mm. professional memberships? Anything? Yeah, I think my, my struggle with my first course, I always wanted to do something else. And I did want I did want to do a master's. I mean, I, I love the letters after the name. <laughs> but um yeah, no, I haven't had the opportunity really to think about that. And of course, now we've got a baby, uh, it might be something that's on the back burner. But alternatively, I am doing my CIOB um, professional review at the minute, which I think might have been the thing that I was looking for. Um, so at least I've got that to, to work on in the background. Do you know, it's incredibly weird because I, I started off the year not really having much knowledge about the CIOB at all or um being very involved and I'm, I'm kind of ending the year now where i'm a i'm a chartered member i've i recently uh i think end of october um successfully passed my professional review oh, congratulations it's just it's just i know how difficult it is <laughs> professionally it's been like a whirlwind year you know i've you you'd sort of made that made most of those opportunities while we were in lockdown for example you know where I really sort of started to think about it and look at the benefits to it um what made you um choose the CIOB if you don't mind me asking because if you've got like project management back like um experience did you not have you looked at like association of project managers anyone like that uh 
Uh, I did actually, and I was discussing this with my uh, with my boss at work, and he was the one who recommended the CIOB because he believes that it could open more doors for me later on, uh, sort of in my career. Of course, being chartered is like a massive thing. I don't think you can really get much more qualified in terms of being a project manager. So for me, it was an instant. Yeah, I would love to do it. So let's look into it. And have worked um, really supportive of that. Yeah, it's been a difficult one because obviously everything at work's been affected by COVID. So how are work supporting you through your professional review? Um, well, they've given me a mentor to read through my questions on the professional review paper, which is really useful because when you are obviously working from home, as many people are this year, it's, it's quite easy to get yourself uh, sort of disjointed from um uh the career career world if you like you do get mum brain quite a lot um, so yeah it's nice to have some support from work in terms of reading what i've written good and uh, um, have you got any plans like when you like going, going to submit do you have any ideas on that yet or is it a case of just as and when um well i mean i've done the professional workshops so they've said if you can get it in sort of six to eight weeks after that. I mean, if I don't include Christmas in that, I would think I'd like to get it in in January. <laughs> oh, this could be the funniest interview that you've done with a, a six-month-old sneezing in the background. <laughs> so um, what I would like to ask you then is, um, I suppose it's a little bit different at the moment because you're still on maternity leave, but how have you found in the past trying to maintain that work-life balance oh gosh uh that's a tough one because in the past I have always sort of put work first I haven't really been in a position where I haven't been able to put work first so obviously Covid aside I think I thought I was going to struggle being off on maternity leave and I was going to miss work quite a lot but as many parents will tell you, as soon as you've had a baby, like your priorities completely change. So now I can still be sort of passionate about work in the time that I do get, if any. Um, but I'm much more sort of focused on my daughter. And your family life now, yeah. Yeah, which is something I never thought I would <laughs> do. Uh, do you yeah. think that um, having had a child now and then that's going to... Um, change you in any way shape or form like in a positive way going back to work like your definitely, outlook on life definitely I mean I can expertly multitask I can do <laughs> things with one hand I can think about, about seven different things at the same time whilst doing an eighth <laughs> so I absolutely think mums make super employees <laughs> that's definitely some of those transferable skills that I couldn't think of earlier <laughs> Um, and just briefly, while we've talked about COVID, I know again, it's, um, it's been a little bit sort of different on the professional front because you've been on maternity leave as well. Um, but has COVID particularly impacted you professionally at the moment, would you say? Or as you said, is it more just because of being off on maternity, you've not really noticed it? Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, definitely. So with me working in hospitality, unfortunately, my job is at risk. Mm -hmm. um, I won't go into the details about obviously the company, but personally, I am now on sabbatical leave. 
um, which means that I've got sort of 12 months where I'm not working, which obviously I'm off on maternity leave, so it sort of coincides with that. But the risk of not having a job when that is over is quite frightening. And it does sort of overcloud my maternity leave quite a lot because you're always thinking about becoming a single income family. Um, you know, what's what's the world going to be like in 2021? Are we going to carry on with this whole vaccine thing? Is it going to be successful? Are the pubs ever going to reopen? <laughs> Um, because as soon as they do, I mean, that's that's a positive thing for me because I work on refurbishing the pubs. So, you know, if they're open and getting used, it gives me something to do. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it is, um, it is difficult trying to enjoy your maternity leave whilst you're worrying about work. I'm not going to lie. I mean, um, to be honest with you, my next question was going to be like, what do you think the impact will be long term? But I think you've kind of touched on that anyway, with regards to your job being at risk to begin with and what yeah, it might do yeah. to your family. I think there right? are positive things as well. I don't think the impact of COVID, COVID is all negative because I think the um, level of we've definitely become proficient in Zoom and Teams. And I think I've connected with a lot of people that I wouldn't have done, yourself included. Um, and I do think that moving forward in the industry, we could save a lot of our carbon emissions um, by just logging on on screen rather than driving all over the country. So I do think there are good things. Um, in terms of sustainability and also with regards to mental health, because I've heard a lot of people talking about um, networking and there not being those opportunities available. And I mean, doing this right now is a prime example of it is still possible to actually it's not the same as a face-to-face -face meeting of course it's not but mm. at the same time you've uh, um, it's still <laughs> you're still able to have these conversations with people most importantly like from a professional perspective with definitely, your clients the amount of um, CPD I've been able to access whilst I've been off is just ecstatic like I mean with regards to networking, would you say that COVID and being in lockdown has improved your your um, networking capabilities that made you feel a bit more confident and comfortable now approaching people? Um, yeah. Or would you say that, I mean, post-COVID, would you still, um, I mean, I'm guessing you prefer still to go face-to-face -face rather than digitally anyway, but yeah. has it made you co more confident in networking and talking to people? Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, like I say, I'm not one to usually do stuff like this. So this is a, a huge professional leap, I would say. Um, I do prefer being face to face because things can sometimes be miscommunicated. Um, so particularly if we hold our meetings over a, a Zoom, for example, you can't see the site with your own eyes, if that makes sense. So things can sort of be misinterpreted. Um, what advice then would you give to young professionals, maybe those fresh out of university um, that are looking to build a network, that, that are looking to actually sort of become more involved and uh, um, find out what is going on in the industry? Um, well, I, do you know, I only just joined LinkedIn um, like a few weeks ago, and I would say that is an, uh, a great place to start because the amount of things and resources that you can access on LinkedIn 
are just incredible. You can just follow a whole bunch of different companies and hashtags and everything. <laughs> I'm one of those that's not even on Twitter yet. So, <laughs> so certainly LinkedIn is a great place to start. I would 100% recommend that because there's, there's job opportunities on there as well. So uh, you can sort of see what all your, your colleagues are up to or your uni mates. And I think it's a great tool to start with. Uh, but I'd also say, um, don't be afraid of making mistakes because I think the amount of mistakes that I've made have taught me more than sort of getting everything right every time. Um, if I was going to give anyone any advice. You never uh, forget your mistakes, do you? That's the thing. Once you've made No, I can remember all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And as well, I mean, like I say, talking about confidence, it's, it's not being afraid to speak out when you perhaps don't agree with something that someone else is doing because... Uh, someone has got to be first to do something uh, and I certainly wouldn't be as vocal now um, you know if it was eight years ago starting out at my, my first job. Yeah but I suppose it's that experience and um, that backing I suppose yeah. as well by your employer that sort of yeah. helped support yeah, you through right. that and get you to this point um, which unfortunately a lot of sort of uh, young professionals don't always get you know um, and I think that's that's the hardship I think with full-time students as well is because they, they they don't get that that backing by their employer to begin with they've got to pr prove themselves haven't they, to a degree what would you describe your biggest challenge to be today uh, gosh I mean it, it's very uh Difficult, I suppose. I mean, this is this is difficult because in my job I have challenges on every single side every day. So I wouldn't specifically pick one. Um, is there a common theme then? Uh, not necessarily, because all the sites are different. I think I would say that if I was to face something difficult on site, I find that if I take time away from site and go for a walk around the block and clear my head perhaps make a call to someone who might have a bit more knowledge in the area in which I'm struggling, you know, taking that advice from someone who's more experienced always helps. Yeah. Um, and then looking at everything with fresh eyes, like I say. Um, what, um, what are your ambitions for the future? Like, where, where do you see yourself in 10 years time? Oh. I don't know, I don't like to think about being 10 years older. Um, but certainly, definitely MCIOB, I would hope, in that time. Maybe a fellow, who knows? Love to be a contender for construction manager of the year. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got to aim high, haven't you? Um, joking, joking aside, I would like to work with young professionals and help level out the playing field of diversity and construction so i've recently uh, become a stem ambassador i'm glad you mentioned that because that was my very last question <laughs> excellent so i'll let you ask a question then i'll carry on talking Begin by telling our listeners about stem okay so i'll tell you what i do know about stem because i am very early into the stem process so i've just done my um, dbs check so science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. 
it's basically a platform for volunteers to sign up and share their knowledge about those industries with the younger generations so for me it's inspiring the youngsters into careers in construction so it would be really good for me to speak to young sort of girls as well and um, get them into sort of <laughs> get them into construction jobs and um, because there's certainly not enough women in construction although there are a lot I mean I'm not uh, disregarding that at all but definitely don't come across too many uh, on my side <laughs> not always and what made you then uh, want to become STEM ambassador? Um, to be honest, it was something that I spotted on LinkedIn um, on one of the uh, other CIOB pages that someone um, posted. And I saw I saw her sort of tagline and it said um, construction ambassador. And I thought I would ask her um, what it was and how she got into it. And she told me all about it. So I thought, oh, you know what, I'm off on maternity leave. I'm trying to better myself and why don't I give it a go? And then here I am now. I have just uh, put myself forward for my first sort of um, task, which is making a video for um, a school aimed at year 10 and year 13 students about my career path and transferable skills. <laughs> <laughs> So again, I suppose that's moving like yourself out of your comfort zone again, so, something like that to... Um... Absolutely, yeah, it's not something that I would have done a few years ago, I know that. What, um, what do you think is no. then driving you to move out of your comfort zone to do these kind of talks? <laughs> she says whilst holding up her baby. <laughs> the one making the background noise now she's definitely a big motivator in terms of like I say bettering, bettering yourself but um, I want her to have the best chance and I obviously always wanted to better myself so by doing that I'm sort of hitting both things on the head you know maybe when she gets older she'll want to work in construction um, you know Maybe she'll want to be a science teacher like her dad. <laughs> uh, so we've, we've got the, the STEM covered between the household. So with the actual, um, the talks, etc. then, are they tailored to certain uh, groups? I mean, how, in, how young do, do, they, um, do they go down to? Are we they go down as far as like primary school. Uh, I think, <laughs> <laughs> yes, school. <laughs> I think for me, I might engage better with the older children in terms of construction because I, I think it's quite hard to uh, engage with younger children when you're just talking about something because they prefer the sort of hands-on activities. Mm. Um, so for me, I think I've aimed at sort of the older children. Well, you can um, expand on your knowledge and experiences by talking yes. to the older age groups. Yes, yes, definitely, yeah. Is true, true. And uh, um, with regards to um, STEM, then I'm, I'm guessing at the moment they're doing like virtual events as well, are they? Yeah, it's all online. So, like I say, for this task that I've just picked up, I'm just making the video for the um, for the contact, and I'm sending it in an email, and they're going to use it on a careers day. So, I guess they'll get a number of people volunteering with all different jobs. So, it's a really good thing to do, I think. And are they? 
are they open to ambassadors as well just in case any of the listeners that are interested yes absolutely yeah always take it on so definitely go to the website and have a look get yourself signed up if you're if you're interested highly recommend it now, what I will do is I will include a um, a link in the description for the podcast anyway to the stem um, so it'll be available for the listeners anyway. Okay. Um, one last question. I just want to ask if you could give one piece of advice um, to the listeners out there based upon your years of experience your academic studies etc and even your life experiences what would it be oh my god come on <laughs> let me let me have a think one piece of advice oh okay let me think um always believe in yourself that well, sounds a little bit like one of those um pieces of artwork that you have above your bed <laughs> when, when you're uh, when you're growing up but definitely self-belief is such a powerful tool and if you've got that confidence in yourself then I've found others will have confidence in you uh, which is a nice feeling thank you Michelle appreciate your time that's okay